Hey everybody, welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Well, hi everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. My guest today is Tara Crook, who's been battling Crohn's disease since 1999. She's here to share her journey with IBD, her tips and tricks for managing flares, and how she balances life with Crohn's. Thank you so much for joining me today, Tara, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. So you've been battling Crohn's since 1999. Why don't you go ahead and start by sharing your Crohn's story and how your diagnosis came about? Okay, yeah, I know. It seems it seems like forever at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was a senior in college, and I was um, I went to University of Central Florida, so I was like two hours away from my parents and everything. And every time they would see me, I was getting like skinnier and skinnier. And I didn't have any clue what was going on. I just thought, oh, it's stress because I'm mm -hmm. graduating. And um, I was trying to find a job and I didn't want to move back home and all that kind of stuff. So it just progressively got worse. And what I noticed was um, I'm Italian and Portuguese and I have always grown up eating both of those kinds of foods. So a lot of red sauce and stuff like that. And I noticed whenever I started eating, when I would eat like traditional Italian food, whether I made it or I bought it, like I just could not handle it anymore. And, mm. but at that age, I had no idea. Like there was, I mean, I knew there was other food obviously, but I didn't know how to cook or do anything like that. And mm. I didn't have pain at the beginning. I just significantly lost weight. Like I just went, and I'm not a very big person, but I'm always have always been capable of putting on meat, like uh, weight for like activities. So physical activities, I've always mm -hmm. been able to put on muscle. And so I knew it was wrong and I didn't really have pain. Not until probably the last like six months before my diagnosis, did I start having pain in my lower right hand side of my abdomen um, and it just seemed like it was, um, like an ovary situation. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And so I kept going to my gynecologist and I kept saying, I have these pains and they just kept like telling me it was in my head or whatever. And wow. how so, much time had passed? Yeah, how long were you losing weight for and kind of starting to eventually have pain? How long was all that going on? Um, it was at least like, it was at least a year. I think it started prior mm -hmm. to that. I just think I was able to kind of like keep it at bay by exercising mm -hmm. or eating better foods. But as, as that senior year came around, I just was putting like getting a job and finishing college on like the front, like exercising, eating well was just not a priority, which I think it was like the catalyst that pushed it over. So it was easily a year, probably longer. When I look back to times, like even in high school and stuff like that, if I truly think about what, um, like I've always kind of had an issue with digestive mm -hmm. things and I never put two and two together, obviously. Um, and because so we don't necessarily just... jump to the worst conclusion when it's just, I think it's such an easy tendency to think maybe I just ate something that didn't agree with me or I'm, I'm bloated from lunch or that didn't sit well. And, and it's so Cor in hindsight, it's crazy how much we can just push aside. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I totally, I think I was probably, I was, um, my senior, by the time I lost weight, by the time I was like officially diagnosed, I was down to like 85 pounds. And I wow. think like currently I'm at like 132, but back then I think I was like probably 125, 128. Like I wasn't a small, like, like I said, I'm fairly stocky for <laughs> my five foot frame. Healthy. But, and yeah, like it is. It's like, I just put on my muscle. My husband's very jealous. So... <laughs> <laughs> 
But so I knew I was like, well, I look sick. Like I knew I didn't look right and I knew something was wrong and I didn't feel right. But um, and I remember I remember starting to take a lot of um, like Advil or Tylenol Mm -hmm. and which obviously hindsight Advil. Not Mm -hmm. good. Um, But I just remember taking so much like over the counter pain reliever just to like forget about it, basically. And and I like when I think about it in terms of now, like hindsight, I think about the things I was eating that are like like bother me to this day that clearly were making things worse. But it was like all of it combined. And then my one of my sisters actually asked me if I was anorexic. Oh, wow. Like straight up. Yeah. And I said, what? Are you kidding me? I love food. Like, <laughs> <laughs> could never be. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> like, no, I want to eat all the time. It just doesn't, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so how did you finally get from going into the gynecologist? How'd you finally, I assume you eventually got to the gastroenterologist? Yeah, when my parent, my mom, my mom basically told me, I'm taking you back home. I don't care what you think you're doing here, but you're coming home. And it was like the summer of the, the year I graduated college. And I was very upset. And then when we went back home, I went to um, a new gynecologist there. And she said, um, um, your symptoms seem odd. I'm going to have you visit my husband who is a gastroenterologist. And I was just like, what? I don't even know that word. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> um, and so I met with him and like the first meeting, he was like, you're having a colonoscopy. We're doing a laparos- a laparoscopy. I can never say that word. Laparoscopy. The one where they go in. <laughs> yes. I never say it right. I'm always like, it's so hysterical. And so I, that was immediately what we did. And he found Crohn's and nothing else, which was good. But at the time, mm-hmm. it was crazy. Um, and I had like all the other like, series of tests like the upper enema the barium enema, like all the different things I remember like getting an MRI like just these they just things did all just of them <laughs> right it was just this battery of tests that I mean there obviously it was worth it because they were able to figure out everything but it was just like I just remember just like constantly being and going in for testing and like, okay, but still none of this answers any questions that I have. So I'm still like, what does this mean? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that took a few months because when I look back at my paperwork, my actual diagnosis wasn't until like um, like September of 99, which mm-hmm. this had been going on by that time, at least probably about a year and a half. And oh, wow. when I got yeah, so because when I came home, it was right in the beginning. It was like right after graduation because I was really sickly looking and my parents were like, no, you're coming home. Like, we're done. <laughs> I'm like, nice. Wow. So what did yeah. they, What were they doing while you were getting all the testing? Had they put you on any medications at that point or was it just kind of like we got to get through these tests and then we'll figure out what this is? Well, it's so funny because um, – well, it's not funny. It's I say funny all the time. It's so yeah, interesting <laughs> because like, – it's such like a, an odd word to use. But mm-hmm. um, the technology nowadays, when I see people on social media or I talk to people in support groups that like have this technology at their fingertips right now, back then they were just trying to make sure that there was no ulcers and there was no fistulas. Um and where the Crohn's was actually located and if we had to go any further with surgery. And that was it. When the doctor wow. finally gave me – yeah, I know. I'm like, now I look back and I think, like, that's ridiculous. That's what you did. But, <laughs> um, and he put me on sulfazazoline, which oh, yeah. it was horrific. I was It was so bad. And I grew up in Florida and I was living in Florida. And they were like, you can't go in the sun. I'm like, that's physically impossible. I live in the sunshine state. <laughs> Like, like, I don't understand, like, what I'm supposed to do. And it, that medicine made me so ill. Like, I just felt terrible taking it. And we didn't really notice anything right away, any differences. And so my mom, um, one of her brothers is a vegetarian. So she would have conversations with him. Um, and he lives in Boulder. So he was like a completely different like viewpoint. And so he would bounce ideas off of her about like 
trying different things with my diet. And so mm -hmm. that's how the diet even came into play because the medicine like right off the bat did nothing. So even though I was on it for like a year and it was disgusting and like it probably had all kinds of other, I mean, I don't think I have had other side effects from it because um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I get blood work and everything done now. But at the time, I just remember like feeling bad still. And, and did they we keep tried... you on it? They did for about a year. And then finally, when nothing was working um, on it, he switched me. He actually told me the doctor was like, it wasn't, he wasn't um, a disease specialist. So he pointed me in the direction of a different doctor to go to. Um, mm -hmm. And so I went to a different doctor who was in a, a group of disease specialists and he put me on Pentaza. So that was like 2000, 2001, I was on that. And it was super expensive and, um, but it worked immediately. It was, it was insane how fast it worked. And I know people who it hasn't worked at all for. So it's just very interesting. Um, yeah, that it really is how one, one drug will do wonders for another person and then nothing for the next. It's, it's right. fascinating, I think. <laughs> It, it really is. Like if you like are looking at it from that standpoint, it is very fascinating how it, the same disease will not even like flinch at the same medicine mm -hmm. and help someone and someone else has to totally do Remicade or something. And you're just like, what happened? So that, that is, that's even how I ended up switching doctors. It wasn't even because I was unhappy or anything. He just was like at a loss. He's like, I don't even know what to do. Um, wow. So I ended up switching doctors. He put me on Pentaza. And in the year of being on that sulfazazoline, we tried, like I said, different things. Like I would take dairy out of my diet and that might make it a little better, but it wasn't enough. Or my mom found some sort of article or something where I had to eat those coconut macaroons, not the French. Oh, well, I, yeah. <laughs> I came across that article. It was I think the headline is something like man cures Crohn's disease with coconut macaroons or something. And yeah, like, what is this? <laughs> very off the and, wall. Um, <laughs> it was, it was totally. And she was like, it's going to work and everything. And I was eating those for a while and that's disgusting. And I love coconut. Mm -hmm. So, it <laughs> but was you get like, to the point where you're desperate and it sounds like your mom kind of jumped in there too. Like we got to try anything and everything, no matter how ridiculous oh, yeah. it sounds. <laughs> and it's so, and it's so like, just over time, you just don't like, you just get used to whatever it is. Like you just adapt and kind of mm -hmm. like move on. And yeah, she was like trying all kinds of things. And like, I remember I used to drink even as an adult, like in college, I would drink vitamin D milk, like whole milk. And she's mm -hmm. like, no, we got to take that off. And then, um, or eggs. And then there were other things like, um, obviously fruits and vegetables. And then she never once was like, oh, stop eating the red sauce that I'm making. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it can't be that. <laughs> right. It can't be that. And, um, it was just funny because, you know, there was like my uncle, which I didn't realize at the time was even a part of the conversation until like years later, she's like, you know, uncle Ronnie was talking to me about that. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it was, so I was on, then I was on Pentaza for years. Um, I think it was, I mean, it just seemed forever. Um, I was on Pentaza and my doctor, um, at the time then he was like, okay, this is good. What was interesting, though, was I went, um, he was all about having colonoscopies every year. And I was still fairly young and in the process, in the beginning mm -hmm. process, which now the doctors say, as long as you have a clean colonoscopy bill, then you can wait a year. At least that's what my doctors have said. Mm -hmm. And so I just find right. it interesting again. I don't know if it's technology and research or just that doctor that was maybe his only knowledge base because of his background. Mm -hmm. So it was just every year I was having these colonoscopies and um, they were just miserable because it was with the go lightly giant jug and mm -hmm. like just no other. And it, I was doing okay though. I really don't remember having any problems. There was one time where he said, I think I found a fistula 
Um, and of course this man went straight to like, you're dying of cancer. And I'm like, what? I'm like 20 something. Yeah, it was crazy. And, and there was no fistula come to find out. I actually have a little like divot in my intestines where every doctor I've had, and I just found this out this past year, which is hysterical. Um, Mm -hmm. every doctor I've had has thought I've had a, a fistula. I'm like, why do they keep asking this? Like, there's no fistula. Um, And then we found, I went back through all my records and we found that every doctor has, my current doctor was able to decipher what they all had because I don't know what they were writing. And some of it was typed, like on a typewriter. (laughs) (laughs) Who does that? (laughs) Right. Right. I was like, oh, look. (laughs) And so they were finally able to figure out that it's actually just this divot that. Yeah. It's some sort of like like cave or crevice or something he said that we have to obviously monitor but like everyone because I guess when they initially go in it looks like a fistula but I've had different types of tests MRIs and enemas <laughs> that have not found anything so it's very it is very interesting with technology because obviously I, I'm assuming the MRI technology must be better now than it was then to yeah, find I something would I would hope so Yes. <laughs> so yeah. So I mean, goodness, these. I you know I feel bad for anybody getting this, but um yeah. So then I was with him for a really long time, and I was on Pentaza. Um, and then I didn't really ever. I would say this. I got married in two thousand and six. And is that right? Yeah, 2006. I always get confused. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And I remember going, the reason why I say that is because I went on a cruise and we went overseas. Um, mm-hmm. And the big concern, obviously, was what am I going to be able to physically handle this? And eating and drinking cruise food. Um, and then we were in Italy and Spain. And so it was just like, okay, can I eat these kinds of foods? Like, I don't even know. Um and I still was very, very skinny for my my frame. Um, and that doctor just didn't seem to like, even though he was a disease specialist, he didn't really give me any any good information. Like he gave me the Pentaza and it worked to not have pain and to mm-hmm. get to about like 110 pounds, which was good. But at the time, like I knew it wasn't good for me. Like I'm like, I'm not yeah. supposed to be this skinny. Yeah, that's tiny. So... You know what I mean? Like, and it's, and as an adult now, like, I was like, okay, like, I'm not supposed to be like this. So mm-hmm. I was dealt with him because I was like, well, I guess this is the way it is. Like, I'm just never going to have, like, normalcy with my bowel movements or anything. This is just what it is. Like, I just didn't know any difference. Um, and then I guess as research started coming down and I started finding out a little bit more information and then with like internet and stuff like that, I did mm-hmm. some of my own research and I found like the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation and I would look at some of their um, articles and basically I saw things that were like, well, you know, diet or different types of medicine and stuff like that. And when I started questioning this doctor, he just could, didn't seem to be interested in like exploring any of those other options Mm -hmm. and I remember talking to my mom and I was just like you know my sisters um, my mom like none of us are that tiny of people that I should look like that or anything and so I said I think I'm going to change doctors Um, so I went to my primary care and he suggested a different man and I went to him and he actually was life-saving in the sense that he totally sat down and spoke with me about um, diet and exercise and medicine. And he actually prescribed Lyelda for me, which is considered a colitis medicine, not a Crohn's medicine, Ah. Um, which I was like, okay. And he was the first one to call it Crohn's colitis. And I was like, okay. Right. And I was like, well, what does that mean? He goes, yours is just staying in the very, you know, lower intestines. Um, and he's like, it's staying in the rectum versus where it, everybody nor- normally with Crohn's, it moves. And he's like, mm-hmm. it's just not moving. And I said, oh, OK. Uh, like, it was just interesting because once again, like someone he was just ma- he might have been 10 years younger than my other doctor. It wasn't like drastic. 
Um, and he just had a different wealth of information. So he gave me Lyelda and then I finally started to like significantly put on weight for the first time. And I think that had to be like 2010, I think wow. 2011. So, I mean, I went for quite a long time, like just thinking, okay, I'm always going to be like sickly skinny looking now. Like this is just what it is. And I'm mm -hmm. never going to be back to where I was. And still not completely healthy, still using right. the bathroom more than you should for an average oh, yes. person. And I was I was going to it was so bad at the point where I was I was going to the bathroom, I think, still like three, four times a day, which is doesn't is not a lot for some people. But for mm -hmm. me it was. It was never a solid bowel movement. And that was yeah. for years. And everything, everything I ate still Short of literally eating, like, plain white bread, mm -hmm. everything still gave me problems. Like, one time I ate, like, a couple pieces of an orange, and they came right back up, like, two hours later. Like, mm -hmm. just no – and it was, like, no rhyme or reason, and I was just never getting any better until the third doctor. And it was just like, okay – as an adult, I realized I need to find someone who knows more about this disease. Mm -hmm. And he really talked to me about the difference between the actual Crohn's flare-ups that I was having. Because all that time, I would still have flare-ups where I would be really cold and get the shakes and the sweats. And I would just freeze. And then I'd start sweating again in the middle of the night. And I'd break a fever. Um, and that was happening every couple of months, I would say. So it was while I was on the Pentaza, I was still having those kinds of episodes. Um, mm -hmm. And I just felt like, okay, this is crazy. Like, this is just it. And I remember one time, like my husband at the time, he like, he didn't even know what to do. He like called my mom and I had like rem playing on my like, i was like i'm just gonna listen to rem with my headphones and just be sad everybody <laughs> just hurts like, exactly i'm just gonna put this on repeat and just sit here and cry like and freeze to death and then oh. sweat it out at like two o'clock in the morning and mm -hmm. it just it was just crazy because like it just became kind of normal that that's what my life was um, you just kind of accept like, it. As sad as that is, you just kind of accept it. Like, okay, this is right. This is what it is. It's totally. It's totally just like, and I feel like I look back now and I think, wow, I'm a pretty like strong person to deal with this and kind of like accept it and move on and still function because this whole time, in 2001, I became a teacher. So I was holding down a full time job doing this and like teaching high school students and middle school students at different times. And so it wasn't and I was coaching soccer and tennis. So it's not like I was just like coasting, like, you know, doing absolutely nothing. Um, busy. <laughs> so, no yeah, time like, to deal with the disease. <laughs> I like and that's what I think. I'm like, wow, I think like, uh, I'm pretty impressed at myself at this age. Like, oh, I feel lazy now when I don't do stuff. Like, oh, yeah, okay. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I know. It's it's interesting. But yeah, so that last doctor, he was he was really great and um I learned a lot about the disease and um I started actively going to like the support group meetings and I learned a lot about the disease that way. Mm -hmm. it, it's just it's very very fascinating that it's so different. Yeah, it truly is a fascinating disease um, in that way. You mentioned that this third doctor was actually able to talk to you about food and exercise as well. So in addition to the Lialda, did he end up kind of changing what you were eating? Did you take his, did he give you recommendations at that point? Yeah, 100% he did. So we sat down and I and I said to him, you know, kind of like what I told you, like, this is where I was. And then this is what the disease did. What do I do now? And this is like what I currently eat. And he made me bring in a food diary of what I was eating. And mm -hmm. then he pointed out all the different things that could be considered an irritant. They may or may not, because like we know with Crohn's and colitis that it could bother me and not bother you, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And so we started adding and subtracting. Like, it was crazy. He's like, well, what do you eat? And I was like, well, I'm eating salads. And he's like, okay, well, you need your vegetables, but what are you eating? And I was like, oh, I'm eating seeds, you know, and I was eating nuts. Mm -hmm. Like, I was eating all healthy food. The, my biggest vice is, like, Lay's plain potato chips. 
Like, mm-hmm. That's my mm-hmm. vice. And <laughs> so like I'm like I could I can put away a bag. Um, but, Mine's chocolate. <laughs> see, right? Like er, my husband eats ice cream like it's going out of style. And I feel like whatever your vice is, is like for real the thing that hurts you, you know? Yes. So, 100% because he can't handle ice cream like delays if I eat too many of them like I have heartburn in addition to Crohn's stuff like it's like mm-hmm. all kinds of like crazy so he was like looking at so obviously the first thing he went after he goes okay let's look at the the amount of red sauce you're eating as an, an Italian I'm like yeah well but that's what I know still at this point and I'm like in my 30s at this point and he's like okay but just He's like, there's acid in red sauce. There's acid Mm -hmm. in citrus and there's acid in, he's like, in certain um, things that you're eating. He's like, okay, so let's take those out and see what that does. And then that obviously helped drastically. That is obviously something that irritates my system um, to the point where I just don't eat it anymore. Even if my mom makes it, like I just tell her like, it's just like, it's not going to happen. Like at this day and age, it is not worth me feeling sick. Um, Does she understand? <laughs> it took her a long time. It really Aww. did. And it really did. And I think it was more like her. It hurt her feelings, like thinking yeah. like her food is hurting me. But yeah. <laughs> once you, you know, once you realize that it had nothing to do with that. And then what was the other thing we tried? Like eggs used to be like, I don't even know why, because there's no lactose in eggs. So mm. they bothered me for a while. Real milk bothered me for a while. Um, And so we took those out and then I was still eating vegetables. And then I slowly worked in like like apples without the skin or Mm -hmm. um, like a pear without the skin or bananas. And those still to this day seem to be okay. And I can eat them with the skin now as long as I – and he he was the one. He's like, "Are you chewing your food?" And I thought, like, "Who asks an adult that question?" <laughs> right? Like it's right because yeah. you're sitting here like. And I was like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Do you chew your food?" And I like he goes, "Pay attention." He goes, "You're probably not chewing your food. Most people don't." And I never like that never crossed my mind of that just in an, in addition aggravating mm-hmm. whatever else I was doing intentionally to hurt myself. So, did he tell you to chew like each bite 20 times or give he you- did he's like <laughs> he like because when I would come into him because for a while I was seeing him pretty regularly just to have these conversations because mm-hmm. he would say okay go like a month and then come back and we'll talk about this and see so like I would wow. go in and when I came back to him I said you know you're right like I just take giant bites and I just swallow mm-hmm. half of it and he's like you have to slow down, don't talk when you're eating. And I was just like, this is stuff. He goes, people just get into the habit. And when they don't have any gastro uh, issues, they're fine. And you know, it upsets them a little bit. Maybe they have heartburn or something, but it's not anything major. But for someone with Crohn's or colitis, like you have to pay attention to all these little things. Mm -hmm. And like, that was just something never. And so then the last, um, one of the last conversations I had with him, because I had since I have since moved from Florida to Alabama and I have a different doctor now, but um, he he we were talking about vegetables and like reintroducing them and making sure I was getting enough of them. And so I've started I started doing that a couple of years ago. And it just seems like as long as I don't overdose basically on any mm-hmm. one type of fibrous item, I'm okay. Like as long as I don't overdose and eat like five salads, you know, within three days, like, mm-hmm. and I like salads, then I can candle it. But it's like, you know, it's how not fun. small do you have to No, I know. <laughs> how small do you have to keep the keep the doses kind of as you were reintroducing everything? How small were the doses? And kind of how would you separate them? I guess? I would, um, it would be like when we introduced like, you know, the banana or the apple, it would be like just a little, it'd be like one or two slices of so small the amount. apple, like truly small amounts. And he, he would say, okay, so do a little, so he'd say like, do like two slices at a time and then see if you feel like he, he cause I was like paying close attention to if I was getting bloated, if my system mm-hmm. was making like extra noises to digest the normal and just random little things. And I did that. It was, I mean... 
I'm just glad that I, because I was getting frustrated and I was like, this is taking forever. But, you know, it, you have to do that if you want to see if it is, if there are any foods that are bothering you. Um, and in my case, I had to do that. Like I had to take such baby steps and then I would increase the amount of apple. And then I would just, then one day it was like a whole apple and did that do anything? And then if I did the next day, I ate another apple. What did that do? So Mm -hmm. it was very tiny. The salads were like, not even like, obviously, you know, like a side salad at a leaf. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it, It had to be something like tiny, like very, very, like maybe like a silver dollar size amount. Like it was starting out mm-hmm. just to see. And it's sad because my mom said, you know, out of all of her, she's only had, she had three kids. She goes out of the three girls, you're the only one who would choose the apple over the candy every day. She goes, and mm-hmm. you're the one who can't eat it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <And> it's, <laughs> <you know. laughs> it's funny how life works, isn't it? <laughs> I, I feel like, yeah. Not funny. It's because, interesting. <laughs> right. See, yeah, I know. I say funny all the time. Yeah. I do too. It is. <laughs> so did you also, did he also get you interested in fitness or was that something that you had already been doing? Have you always been an active person or did he guide you down that path as well? He, um questioned if I was doing anything. So when Mm -hmm. I was in, when I was in high school, um, I played soccer and tennis. And then when I went to college, I kind of did like gym stuff, you know, like cardio. But -hmm. then when I got sick, I was like, yeah, I don't have any energy for that. Um, and then, um, when I was coming back around, he was like, okay, even when I would coach soccer or tennis with the girls, like I would still never physically be able to play with them on the level that other coaches could. So I never really got back into it. And then he's like, you really need to start considering some exercise. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, you need to be doing strength training and you need to be doing cardio. Um, My husband is someone who has always gone to the gym and always done that since high school as well. And he knew all kinds of stuff. So I would talk to him and then go back to my doctor and say, is this right? And he said, yeah. So basically (laughs) he pushed me (laughs) to do it. Yeah. But I had no idea. And so I didn't know how to go to the gym and use weights. And the gym that was near us was like, it wasn't a Gold's gym. It was like a family owned one, but they didn't really have classes or anything. And so I didn't really know Mm -hmm. what to do, but I learned how to use the machines, not the free weights so much um, because I'm not really... I describe myself as the, you know, I'm like the elephant. Like I've tried doing the, um, like was it's called grit at the gym I'm at right now, where it's all like the jumping and the pilo, pilo technique okay. like stuff where you're like, yeah, like all the hard. CrossFit kind of the, yes. but it's like a different brand of CrossFit. It's the grit because it's yeah. different, but it's kind of the same. <laughs> it's all this. Yeah. Like the hardcore, like these athletes and they can jump and do everything. I tried doing that and I was like an elephant. Like it was like, boom, like there was no, <laughs> there was like no gazelle at all. <laughs> I was like, I'm no going to break a knee. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to step outside and, here. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, this is embarrassing. Like I'm not that big of a person to make this kind of noise, but whatever. <laughs> And so um, I just kind of stuck with like general cardio, like either on a treadmill or an elliptical or something like that, um, or doing like um, machines with like the rubber band machines or like the Nautilus machines Mm -hmm. where it was just the weights like that. And it was more controlled. Mm -hmm. And I, at one point, this was probably like 2000. And like 15, I think I was all into it. And I was doing so good. And I was like, um, I have to buy bigger shirts because my arm muscles are so big. Like they were like, <laughs> I put on a t-shirt. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> they don't make shirts for women if you have any amount of muscle. Like you don't even have to be big with in muscle. Like if you have any amount of muscle, all of a sudden it's like things don't fit anymore. <laughs> correct. Correct. And that's when they stopped selling like boot cut jeans. So everything was skinny jeans. I'm like, I can't get my cap in there. <laughs> like, what size do I wear? Like, do I? And it was just so funny because, and it really was funny because I went from like being athletic and being a, a physically pretty decent sized kid in high school to then being mm-hmm. so super skinny to now coming back to being like physically fit. 
and being like, what do I do now? Like, I haven't done this in so long. Like, well, how do I deal with this? And so it was funny because my husband was like, I wish I could get muscle like that. And I was like, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> like, I'm finally better to get muscle. Like, look, <laughs> I'm a real person. What was the mental transition like going through that? Was it because I know obviously Crohn's and IBD is very, it can be a very mentally taxing disease in a lot of different ways, but what was it like to shift like that, to be from like an active kind of person, all of a sudden you're, people think you're anorexic and then you get back to a healthy weight. Did that have any effect on your outlook or just kind of how you handled the disease overall? Yeah, I think, um, I think I probably, I think if I, I love my mother dearly, but I think um, if she would have had some background knowledge, I probably should have seen a therapist. Um, I was in such a depressive state for quite a few years that mm -hmm. I didn't know I was in a depressive state, but I would have these moments of just crying and just being like, life's unfair. And, you know, especially, like I said, I yeah. have two siblings and they had nothing wrong with them. And at that point, my allergies were getting worse, of course, because this is all like, you know, connected. I had to mm -hmm. wear glasses since entering college and neither one of them. And so it was just kind of like snowballing. And it just and when I wasn't getting any better, it was just kind of always like it was probably like, I would say monthly every other month where I would just get into these like depressive states where I should have probably seen someone and I just wasn't around anybody who like had that background knowledge to, to mm -hmm. get me somewhere. Um, and my husband's extremely po positive person. And so he was just always like, Oh, it's okay. And you're doing better and stuff like that. Like when <laughs> we were just dating. Just take on the day. So, like, <laughs> right. Right. Which is, is great. But like when you have those thoughts and now yeah. once again, in hindsight, there is, there there um there have been people in my family who have admitted to having depression at different times and obviously mm -hmm. the people the women in my family who have had children the postpartum depression so it's not like it's not there it is totally there um and so it was just and like i said when i would get sick and i would have a flare where i would be sick to my stomach and i'd be throwing up and i'd have I'd be freezing to death and diarrhea and everything. So, yeah. and I would just lay in bed and just listen to music that I liked and just cry about it. And it could be like the whole weekend would be shot and then I'd have to put mm -hmm. on like a face for work. Um, and I would come home and just sleep. You know, I did nothing. Um, it was just, it was sad because I didn't know how to get out of that. And I think... I think honestly being I had um it was when I finally it it it's silly but I had I adopted um a dog in like 2004 and she mm -hmm. was just always so happy um yeah. and so that she totally helped a ton um and I don't think I realized how much she helped until she passed away in February this year so I didn't like having her not be around Aww. like I didn't realize how much she helped with that because of her personality. Um, yeah. Oh, I have three other dogs. So, <laughs> and there's another one that's very happy. Um, she's another <laughs> girl. The two boys are not so happy. They're like cranky, but whatever. <laughs> um, they totally are. I'm like, why are you guys not happy? But there's um, always one so, that's or two that's cranky. <laughs> <laughs> one's really old, so he's kind of like, I just want to sleep. But um, but they guy. are, and I think that totally helped. I, I mean. In hindsight, I think about mm -hmm. like what helped and I didn't realize it at the time, you know, being around positive people. I had some friends who obviously did not have Crohn's, had no idea about it, but they were at least like they were conscious of my like my stomach making noise and being sick and mm -hmm. like not being able to eat things. And they just were nice about it and they just listened or they questioned. And even if they didn't understand, they were just there like it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of had my own version of therapy without like official therapy. Um, my mom, again, tried being helpful with like, well, what could you eat and what can't you eat? I remember, though, going through when I was um, like first back getting a job and everything and the comments that people would say, oh, you're so skinny. What do you do? Yeah. And I was yeah. just like. I'm going to say something that's going to get <laughs> me in a lot of trouble. You just have to have a 
great chronic disease <laughs> and <laughs> you too I can just, <laughs> achieve I'm like, this. if I could cough on you, you'd be skinny too, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> you can transfer it that way, you know, <laughs> like. I think it's it's sad, really, because people don't realize when you are going through something like that. Because I've even gone through it myself too, where I'm right. I'm a smaller person, so if I lose five to ten pounds, it's noticeable. And so people would tell me when I'm really sick and in a flare, and all of a sudden I drop, you know, seven pounds, and people are like, "Oh, you look great. What are you doing?" And it's like, <laughs> "Really?" Right. You're like, "No." I and don't. then you, <laughs> then you gain it back, and they're like, "Oh, you gained a few pounds." Like, well, <laughs> I'm trying right. to be healthy. <laughs> Keep your comments to yourself. It's, <laughs> it's so it is. It's sad because it's like society wants you like everyone to be so skinny that when you get comments like that, oh, you look good. And you know, in your head, like, I don't look good. Like, this is not yeah. right. And I feel like I'm on my deathbed. <laughs> right, right. Like you and I remember thinking, like looking in the mirror and going, people think this is normal. Like I was gray. Oh I had one picture, someone took a picture of me and a friend of mine at the time. Um, we were going out or whatever. I was trying to like, be a normal, like, social 20 something year old and I looked like a skeleton I was like this is disgusting I'm shredding this picture like I don't ever want to see it like it was so gross um because I was like gray and sunken in and I was and I knew I wasn't supposed to look like that and that's yeah. you're right and that's when everyone's like oh you're so skinny you look great and I'm like no I look like some sort of you know addict or something like yeah. this is ridiculous like, throw that on top of all the depression and emotional ups and downs and physical challenges and it's like good grief <laughs> right all you need is the one person saying it the one day when you're having and I remember just there was times where I was just like I turned to someone and I would just like make a face and they'd look at me and be like well that's not very nice you know I don't say something like that to you and and that was as nice as I could respond um mm -hmm. and they would just look at me and then Later on, someone would say, you know, she's sick, she has Crohn's or whatever. And then they would feel terrible and, of course, apologize. But it's like, it's still the point. Like, you just automatically go there and say that. You mm -hmm. know, it's like, mm, that's you shouldn't say that because you don't know what someone's dealing with that they're not telling you. Exactly. But, and people are a little bit more sensitive now and a little bit, but not not much. Not much. Yeah. <laughs> not much. So no. you spent quite a bit of the whole time you've had Crohn's, you spent quite a bit of it dealing with either big flare-ups or just minor flare-ups, um, especially if you were going every few months having constant flare-ups, you know, through your Pentassa days. Um, so yeah. tell me, what, what are some of the things that you've learned over the years? Were there different things that you found that really helped you get through some of the rough days? And then talk about kind of your energy as well, because obviously you've been going 24 seven <laughs> teaching and coaching <laughs> since 2001 and, but you mentioned kind of low energy. So what are some of the things that gets you through the flare ups, the symptoms, and then how do you, how do you find that energy to take on every day? Um, I think the big thing that helped me back then was just like, I think like subconsciously I knew that I wasn't like it wasn't the way it's supposed to be so I knew there had to be a different answer so even though I didn't know what that answer was and I didn't know how I was going to get there like and it felt like this is never going to end and this is the way it's going to be and I'm just going to have to live like I think there was some little you know like Jiminy Cricket back there saying no nope, mm -hmm. something better's coming but it's just and I feel like and only because you're right. Like, how did I keep going? Like I had a job as a teacher, so I didn't have to participate and coach and do those other things. Like I could have said no. Um, and it's not like I wasn't coaching by no stretch of the imagination, like state champions, you know, I, I <laughs> you know, it was just, they were having fun, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I think just trying to be positive and not stress about, things that you can't control, which is the, like I took to this day, I'm 42. I have no, I, in my head in the morning I get up, I'm like, okay, what can I control? Don't sweat the, don't sweat the small stuff. Mm -hmm. Like just kind of, because I noticed that even with all the 
ins and outs of the medicine and the diet, the stress has ultimately been the biggest player. And Mm -hmm. that is, I mean, and that's with any disease or any type of just every, everyday person. Um, we went to a wedding, my uh, husband's niece, it was her wedding. And I got really, and I didn't know it was, it was funny because, um, there's that word again. (laughs) Um, I didn't, I didn't know I was stressing, stressing, like I didn't feel it coming Mm -hmm. until literally the day of the wedding. And the day of the wedding, I was like, because there were all these other people that were going to be there that I was just like, not really excited to see. And that next day, that night after the wedding, the night of the wedding, um, my, his niece's wedding, I was sick. I was so sick to my stomach. And then the next day I was sick. Like I barely ate anything. I think I ate like a yogurt. I was like, okay, that's good. Because, and I thought to myself, um, okay, what just happened? Okay. The food shouldn't have bothered me that much. Yeah. There was a creamy sauce on the chicken, but I shouldn't, it shouldn't have made that impact. And Mm -hmm. I was so sick where I was on the, I was going to the bathroom like four times that day, which is not normal for me right now. Um, and I just felt nauseous the whole time. And like I said, I didn't eat anything. I had a yogurt. That was it. Um, I was just like, this is like, and I sat there and I said, this is what stress does. Like, and this is just yeah. recently, it's like two weeks ago. Like, um, wow. it's just totally, even still, no matter how healthy and good I feel, it still sneaks up on you and comes at you. And I think the biggest thing that I had to try and manage besides like figuring out what foods were going to work for me, because for me specifically, the foods were the biggest thing in addition to the stress. Like I think mm-hmm. no matter what kind of medicine, I mean, obviously if I would have been on some sort of like Remicade or Humira or something like that, that probably would have cured it immediately. But I know some people who have no success with that as well. Um, yeah. But I think that the stress and trying to manage the stress and trying to do things that made me happy, if even if that was like watching reruns of like Friends on TV or reading a book, I remember like as an adult, I got so into Harry Potter because mm-hmm. I could go into that world and yes. not have to deal with anything. And escape, <laughs> just finding that way, yes. a place to escape and relax and breathe and forget that Crohn's even exists. <laughs> Right. And that just totally helped me like not deal with the reality of things. And I know that's the way it is for a lot of people with a lot of different circumstances. But looking back on it, I can identify like there was no real like, yes, Harry Potter's excellent. And I I love the books. But as a grown adult, I'm sure I could have found other books. But (laughs) You know, like when I'm standing there with a bunch of sixth graders, like, eh, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I can find <laughs> You're like, this else. is a good book. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, kids. Hi. Um, so, and they weren't like my actual students. So that's what was, you know, that's where I was like, okay, like, why am I so attracted to this? And it was like, it's totally an escape and just yeah. trying to find things. I remember, like, I still, to this day, I love going to concerts. Concerts mm-hmm. are a way for me to like, you know escape whatever's going on and even if you feel terrible you can go to a concert may not be able to stand up and dance around but you can like just get out of the situation Mm -hmm. or watch a movie something like that and I was always I always found those kinds of things to try and like like recenter myself I guess would be correct Mm -hmm. um I did try yoga and I, I still like, I think I told you I was, went back to yoga. We went last week and then this week I was mm-hmm. doing like a DVD and that seemed to help, um, drastically as well, just because I'm not, I'm kind of high strung in general. So mm-hmm. <laughs> like forcing myself to calm down helps <laughs> forcing. Yes. Like, I need like Breathe. an anvil. To, like, lay on. <laughs> Uh (laughs) I'm just like, I've kind of always been like that. It's, you know, that is funny because I was like a clown all the time. So, (laughs) and I'm like, are these the things that gave me Crohn's? Like, this is what I wonder. (laughs) Like, are these the things like being high strong, being super type A personality? Yes. These are all the things. (laughs) It creates the perfect storm. It is. It does. It's like, that's what's like, okay, did I do this to myself? I don't think so. But 
you know, and so those are the things that have worked for me over the years. And Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, there's all kinds of supplements and nutritional things that you can do that are way people have way more knowledge than I have about any of that. And I know those things help some people. And I've taken, I like sometimes I make a protein shake, but I use like mm-hmm. rice protein because that seems to not bother me. Because in my mm-hmm. head, I think rice, white, not gentle, wheat. no fiber, <laughs> yeah. yes, zero fiber. <laughs> I'm always yes. like, my, my sister totally like was come over, have tacos. And everything was like wheat tacos, wheat, no. soft tacos. But I was like, I can't. <laughs> Event like this is gonna kill me. I'll be in the hospital. Like I can't eat any of this. <laughs> oh, terrible. <laughs> it's well. It's just yeah. Like and, and no. And wheat is good for most people. People are like yeah. Oh, yeah that's most people can option. tolerate it. Right. It's like us yeah. and the gluten people are like in the same boat. We're like oh yeah. Like, no, we can't have gluten. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I think I answered your question. I think that was you did. The, yes. The total. Okay, Thank good. you. <laughs> So you've been you've been sharing your journey a little bit on your Instagram. So you yes. you talk about more than just Crohn's on your Instagram, but you do share part of it and you talk about some of the walks and things you do with Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. So what was it that when was it and what was it that actually prompted you to go ahead and start speaking up and start sharing your Crohn's journey? I think it was when um I mean, I know it's like, it's silly, but like the internet was around and like Twitter and Facebook and all this was around, but it was like, I felt like, you know, no one, no one is like talking about this. And obviously all the other types of illnesses and diseases are just as important, but it was like, Mm -hmm. everybody else is talking about these other things. No one's giving any attention here. So I kind of started to do research And I, you know, I knew the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation existed, but then I tried to see like, well, what else can I do with them? And I found the walk um, and we went to it and it was like, it was like this glorious feeling of like all these people. (laughs) I'm not alone. (laughs) I was like, this is what it's like. Like when Mm -hmm. everybody gets together who has the common, you know, it was like going to Disneyland or going to a game (laughs) of everybody. Like, yes, we're all Mm -hmm. the same. (laughs) And I saw women and men and young and old and just like so many because I remember when I was diagnosed they're like well normally this is a a Jewish and a 65 year old person's disease Uh and I'm like okay what do you want me to do about that it makes no sense (laughs) um and I just remember talking to these people and then I started going to the support group more frequently and Mm -hmm. I met these different people in these different stages of life who were either doing well or doing poorly and we all were able to talk about silly things like um there was another there were two other women in the group and one time we just started this conversation about I brought up I'm like look ladies how I go do you girls have like bras and underwear in different sizes because I do because you never know Mm -hmm. what's going to happen one day you might be you know a 10 and the next day or a two like I'm not going out and buying these things again, you know. And so we have this whole dis- – cuz it's expensive. You buy a bra and you're like, "No, I'm that's exactly. not Exactly. <laughs> I'm keeping this. And you got to have something for the days that you're bloated and distended and all of a sudden oh. nothing fits and <laughs> well, That's just, that was the other thing. Like when I have had been bloated, I'll like I'll look down I'm like this is what it looks like to be pregnant obviously because this is like I mean I don't (laughs) even know where that skin goes when I'm not bloated like where does that skin go because I don't understand how it gets so big I think the same thing too I'm like am I four (laughs) months pregnant today all of a sudden like (laughs) you're like what what happened and you're in really good shape when I look at your pictures on Instagram I'm just like she's in such good shape and I think wow (laughs) but you're right like where does that go and how does it happen? And like just the simple things, like you can't talk to someone who doesn't experience that kind of bloating about it because they have no clue. They truly yeah. have no idea. And it's I just not didn't normal. realize. <laughs> it, really, it really isn't. It's not normal at all. And you think like, oh, like I remember thinking when I first got glasses, I thought, oh, can everybody see the blades of grass? Because I just thought it was green all these years, you know? (laughs) I did the same thing when I got my glasses. I put them on. I was like, there's individual leaves on the tree. (laughs) This is amazing. (laughs) 
and and people are like, yeah. I'm like, oh no, it hasn't looked like that ever. Maybe I don't know <laughs> if it ever's looked like that. And so I just kind of thought like, oh, well, everybody else must have some kind of symptoms like this. And they just don't. And so it was so nice to go and get involved with the um, Crohn's and Colitis Foundation and just go to those walks and talk to them. And then there was this one guy who was like, I'm eating steak. I'm like, I haven't eaten steak in years. Like, I can't have steak. And then, Mm -hmm. like, I'll see posts of of girls and, and, and men and women that I follow on Instagram who, like, totally can have food that I can't have and they're completely fine and it was just so nice to have those conversations and then to be proactive Mm -hmm. and to be able to say well what about this and we had one discussion which I thought was very important at the time and I still think it is is like Mm -hmm. when it's holiday season like most of the holiday foods are like destructive to anybody with Crohn's (laughs) or colitis yes that's a good way to put it like (laughs) Like, you're just like, what do I do? And mm-hmm. then you have the the pressure to fit mm-hmm. in and to participate in these traditional seasonal events and, uh, de- you know, desserts and just foods. Mm-hmm. And we like we had this long discussion. And basically the result was you come up with like priest eating strategies so that when you go mm-hmm. to Thanksgiving or Christmas or something like that, like you can be picky because you're not hungry and no one really notices because you're not eating as much as like the other people, but you're still kind of putting it on your plate. But you know, it's just, it was such a different like mentality and I just didn't get there without the other people in the group. And I'm like, why didn't I think of this? Like I, that's so easy. That was such an easy solution. Yeah. That's awesome. And you, these were through the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, the support group that you've been going to? Yes. And it was, um, I used to live in Tampa. So it was in Tampa, Florida. And now um, we moved up to Huntsville and Alabama. And I'm actually the person in the process of starting the group here. So that there's one here because um, I reached out to the coordin- the like local area coordinator and asked if there was a group. Um, and she's like, no, there, but there's been a lot of like interest. So mm-hmm. we're going to see how that goes because it would be nice to be able to talk to people again, because once again, you know, as, as nice as it is that my parents and my husband and siblings and everybody try to be as understanding, they really just don't, you know, when I'm like, I can have no seeds and no nuts and no this and no that, like just, I'll just bring my own food. Like, I'll just bring my own food. (laughs) Like, at this point, I'm like, no offense. I'm just bringing my own food. And they just look at me and I'm like, it's just easier that way. Like, just everyone's happy. (laughs) Like, just let me do it this way. (laughs) And you feel like an oddball, but it makes it like it takes the pressure off the people who are hosting. And it like takes the pressure off of you of eating something like you don't want to (laughs) eat. Well, yeah, I think that's a huge thing there because I know people have tried so hard when I go places and they're going to cook something and they'll always ask me, what can I cook? I'll make something. I'll do anything. Tell me, send me the ingredients you can have. And it's like, it is so complicated. I don't want you to redo the whole menu just so I can eat. It's like, I'll just bring something or I'll eat beforehand. (laughs) Right. it is you're what you're 100% is. correct. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And you're correct. And it's like, it's nice that they're supportive on that aspect, but it it is so in depth and it's so, it is truly so personal and, and it depends mm-hmm. on the day. Like you could give them, yeah. okay, I can have X, Y, or Z. And you tell them on Sunday. And by the time Saturday comes around, you're like, no, nope, I can't eat any of that today. <laughs> Never <laughs> mind. I can't eat your food. <laughs> Forget it. I'm just going to eat some yogurt. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and yep. I just, I mean, they just have no, like, I, I'm, I appreciate like the commercials on TV. I remember the first time I saw a commercial on TV for Crohn's, I was like, wait a second, did someone yeah. just say Crohn's? This is and then glorious. they go through all this, all the possible right. side effects. And it's like, this is, <laughs> yes, they're this like, you just lost. With. <laughs> yeah. And then you're like, oh yeah, it's okay. Um, it's just interesting because it's like, oh, like. When people, I imagine when someone who has no idea sees that commercial, they must think, well, why would anyone take that medicine? Because that's better. <laughs> really, because you have no idea. 
it, it really is. So we're, we're coming up on an hour and it's been so awesome to talk with you. But if people want to follow you and keep up with your journey, tell me where they can follow you online. And then also, is there a way to get in touch with you for anyone who's maybe in your area and interested in joining or helping you to get the support group in your area going? Um, sure. Yeah, totally. I would love that. Um, I, I started following all these people on Instagram um, just because I was like, there has to be like a group, you know, I, I, and so I'm most active there. Like I don't, I don't really do a lot on Facebook anymore. I kind of just look there for birthdays. <laughs> I'm like, oh, happy birthday. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do the same, which you know. is why I'm laughing. <laughs> Because I'm just like, ah, it's just too much. And I Twitter, know. I kind of just go to every now and again. But um, I'm most active on Instagram. And um, my username is all lowercase Tara K dot 99. Um, and so they can follow me there. And then they can also. Oh, no, my little dog's barking. Sorry. Can you I hear go? <laughs> um, she's like, hey, I'm going to make sure I was good the whole time. Nope. <laughs> um, uh, she, she's the happy dog, though. So, you know, it's okay. <laughs> um, so Instagram's totally. They can direct message me. Um, I think my, I think, yeah, the direct message on Instagram. And then um, I have an email address. I mean, people can email me. Um, if they want, it's just TKE06 at Yahoo. It's pretty easy. Um, and then I think that would be, you know, if anyone's interested to help with us in the area, that would be awesome. Fantastic. Well, I'll put everything in the show notes and hopefully someone in your area is listening to this. <laughs> that would be awesome. Like, yes. We'll want to want to participate because it really does make such a difference to have that community and have the support. I know even just the digital community that we have with online and in Instagram, it's so, it, it's just so refreshing to hear, to be reminded, I think constantly that we're not alone, that we are going through the same things and to be able to bounce ideas off each other, I think is such an incredible gift that technology gives us. So I'm all it really for the is. <laughs> your your page and your podcast is awesome because like you actually show yourself working out and, and ups and downs and food choices and the other people that you highlight. Like I just go through there and I look and I'm like, oh, okay. And I'll click on the person. Oh, okay. And I'll follow that person and I'll look at their page. And it's just, mm -hmm. it's fascinating because there was, there's some girl in Ireland um, mm -hmm. that I follow on Instagram and I think her name's Sierra. I think that's her name. Um, and yeah. she's adorable, but she's she just is. like, I follow she's her still, too. <laughs> right? Oh my goodness. I just want to, I'm like, she's so cute. And I love whenever she posts a story, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to listen to her accent. I love her. <laughs> and she, I'm like, yes. And um, she just, and she's like, right now, like, you know, putting on weight and like doing better with her fitness and stuff. And it's just like so great to see her. And these other people who have more challenges than I have and less challenges, like, it's just fascinating. And there's men who, like, have a completely different experience, in my opinion. I think it's just totally different. Um, it's just so interesting. And it's just, if that was there in when I was diagnosed, I think, like, wow, like, the, it's sad. I would never wish this on anybody, but the people who are newly diagnosed have so much more available to them right now. So hopefully they don't go through 10, 15 years of like trying to figure it out and they get more information. And that's just on their own without the doctors. Like they can find this stuff out on their own. And I just find that fascinating. And it's such a good resource. It is. I mean, it's amazing. You can just open up Google these days and learn everything you need to know and come in so equipped to ask your doctor any question under the sun that you can even think of now. <laughs> it it between, really is. I mean, it really is just, yeah, it's fascinating. <laughs> between Google and Instagram, <laughs> life's, life's mysteries will be solved. <laughs> I know. I was like, what? This is awesome. <laughs> Before we wrap up, is there anything that you wanted to share or anything that I didn't ask? I know we covered a lot, so. 
It's your last no, call. No, I mean, I think just, <laughs> yeah, I know. I think it's just like people, like when they're feeling like in a place where like they have no options, like they don't know what else to do, like just to try and like, I mean, it's hard for me saying this because I'm, I'm an impatient person and it's taken, I'm 42. So like, I'm still working on this. So, but I feel like, you know, things do get better and it's, you know, just try and reach out. I mean, they can reach out to me, they can reach out to whomever and just try and get in touch with someone that they can talk to because we have been there and we can help you and it will get better. It just, it's because it's so individualized. It just takes yeah. people different times to get there and you'll get better. Very well said. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Tara. I really enjoyed this and thank you so much for sharing your story and just being so open and sending out the call for anyone to reach out to you too. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at crohnsfitnessfood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, Follow me on Instagram using at Crohn's Fitness Food or visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.crohn'sfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.